You see, everyone, this piece is intentionally obtuse. I have patrons from around the world stare at it for hours, and they just come back baffled. The artist obviously loved having a bit of fun. I've tried squinting at it, turning off the lights to see if it glows, shaking it, and setting it on fire when you told us it was made of asbestos. Still, nothing... Maybe we need to try putting things in front of it, or turning it backwards. This artist must have been crazy. No, mm, oh, even standing on my head while a strobe light is going off and an earthquake simulation is in effect just makes me see a random bunch of lines. Is there some secret to making sense of this thing? Well, I suppose I can let you in on the artist's composition method. She has her neck permanently set at a 45-degree angle, so it informs her work to an amazingly heavy degree. Try kicking your necks and see what happens. Ow, this better not cause whiplash. Oh, wait, I, I see it now. This piece is a masterwork. I, I can see all the components of the human condition displayed with incomplete. Terrible elegance. Ooh! With these beauteous images in my mind, everything looks just a little bit better. I can go home and be happy now. Oh no, there's no way my neck go back will go back to a straight angle. I have to jump over a ditch to get home. I'll never make it. Strap on your swords. Ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RP Gamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. And here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RP Gamer number 72. Well, we usually have a fancy title here, but we don't today. I'll tell you why in just a second. I'm your host, Phil Willis, and my co-host, Mr. Mike Minky. Would be myself, or possibly someone else, if someone else in the world has that name. <laughs> and we're talking about a bunch of games today, don't know what they are, because our forums have imploded, so we're just going to wing this as we go along. All of our fancy little introductions and as such, it all went the way of the dinosaur. It's all gone. It's, it's in a pile of rubble. Will, will our forums rise up like a phoenix from the ashes? Only time will tell. But to help keep us going on Backtrack tonight, we have Miss Anna Marie Newfield. Hello. And Mr. Michael Apps. No iPhone jokes? It's the Apocalypse. Yes, Mr. Michael Apocalypse. <laughs> oh, that's a new one. You had to ask, didn't you? Yeah, was, I was yeah, going to let it weird. go, but you had to say something. Have you used Michael? There's an app for that yet. <laughs> oh, what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, 
Yeah, our forum seems to have died. Help me back no, no, it's not dead, it's just in a coma. Okay, it's in a coma. So... Help me back. So we don't quite have our, um, our forum comments and my notes and things like that. So we're just going to kind of wing this and uh, we won't be able to read your comments this week. We apologize. Maybe we'll read twice as many comments next week or maybe we'll just pretend they never existed to begin with. Well, I remember one person said that he was uncategorically a male, but uh, I can't remember his name right now, so uh, that doesn't do us much good, now does it? No, not really. If you are part of the, the elite gender-bending club of the RP Gamer forums, just leave a comment again when the forums come back up. <laughs> hmm. Oh. But uh, Mr. Mike Minky, who has a memory of steel, or an elephant or something... I actually remembered all six games we're talking about today. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six. Plus, <laughs> from writing it's them out of the like they're part of a series. Yeah. Exactly. So we're talking about Landstalker, Ladystalker, Dark Savior, Time Stalkers, Kingdoms of Paradise, and Steel Princess. Mr. Minky, what in the heck do all of these games have in common? They were all made by a studio called Climax, and the early ones have, have an art style which lovers of Shining Force will find very familiar because Climax was founded by a bunch of ex-employees on the original Shining Force. Hmm. Interesting. So, uh, we'll just be talking about these six games today as, as our main event. We won't have any other segments except to wrap everything up with the final lap uh, because we have enough to talk about with six games in a series. So, we're going to take a brief minute and pull our thoughts together. Let you listen to some great music from one of these sick games. <laughs> and we'll be right back. game we're talking about tonight is Landstalker, developed by Climax Entertainment, published by our good friends at Sega. Uh, this was released here in North America sometime in 1993. <laughs> There's no date in Wikipedia, go figure. Uh, this is an action RPG adventure ex single player experience, rated E for everyone, and it comes on one most awesome 16 megabit cartridge. That's like two megabytes, people. That's wow. twice the mega power of half the Sega or the early Sega games, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of blast processing right there. I'm telling you, I, my, I take a picture with my camera, and it takes up more than two megabytes. Is Landstalker more awesome than a photo I just took? What did you yes. take a photo of, Bill? My, my wife has got some gorgeous flowers out front. Is well, Landstalker say... more awesome than a gorgeous flower? Is Landstalker more <laughs> awesome than landscaping? Mm, yes. My stepmom would say no, but that's because she's never played a video game in her life. 
Hmm. So I would say yes. All right. So with two with two uh, megabytes to work with on the sixteen megabit cartridge, I guess the first question I need to ask: uh, Does uh, does this Landstalker have a story? Oh yeah. All right. Let's talk about that. Um. Where do I start? Uh. My my recollection of this is pretty shaky because I played it way back in the day on the Genesis. I know it came back out on Steam last year. Haven't had a chance to to replay a ton of it. But basically, um, you start out as uh, Nigel, right? Yes. Yeah, Nigel. And uh, you're going to be an explorer, and uh, your first exploration, you smack right into a wood nymph, and her name's Friday. Oh, geez. See, I haven't played it in a few years, and you're already remembering more than I did. Um, yeah. Beyond that, um, Nigel escapes with Friday because she's being chased, and I don't remember why, but Nigel ends up blowing basically all of his money, getting them away from these uh, pursuers. So now he has to make back his money. They're trying, they're look, searching for King Knoll's treasures. And she supposedly knows where they are. That's why she was being chased. And also, according to Wikipedia, Nigel is 88 years old. I don't remember him being that old. Oh, no, wait. He's an elf. That's right. Okay, yes. It is a nice change over the usual teenagers. Well, he doesn't have enough wangst. (laughs) Well, it's also a Genesis game. 16 yeah, megabits it, it, just wasn't enough to handle all the wanks that we require <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, beyond that, it's basically navigating through a variety of mazes and a bunch of puzzles. Um, either seeking, getting closer to the treasure, seeking side treasure, or escaping pursuers. Unfortunately, I don't remember a ton of the game's details beyond that. Um, I remember that my brother didn't like it as much as I did. So I ended up doing the majority of the playing. Well, the perspective can take a bit of getting used to. Let's jump into that in a second, because I just okay. want to mention that this it was classified at the time as Zelda on the Genesis, wasn't it? Pretty much. And you can definitely see that. You, you get hearts to increase your life meter, you're exploring, you're getting money, you're beating the crap out of things in real time, and Honestly, I was surprised when I played it at just how long the game is and how varied the environments are. It doesn't really get old. No. Well, yes and no. I mean, um, is this the one that you have to do a fair amount of revisiting, or am I thinking of Time Stalkers? I do believe you're thinking of Time Stalkers. Okay, which we'll get to that later. Itself, yeah. yeah. But I, I didn't have any real deja vu scenarios throughout this thing. It did a good job of staying fresh and throwing different scenarios at me all the time. With the exception of what Mr. App started to mention, but we'll get to that when we're ready. Sure. Uh, Oh, go ahead. uh, I was going to say the the, the environments are definitely pretty varied. You know, there's some different looking towns, although I think some of the uh, dungeons can look a bit familiar. Well, Climax did a good job, although not a great job with the Genesis, which... As much as I was a Sega fan at the time, I cannot deny that the Super Nintendo probably could have rendered this a little better visually. A little more variety with the colors. Those 64 on-screen colors, they could be really well used by a developer that knew what it was doing, but they start to show if you play a long game like this. 
still, it's it's def- was definitely really good for the time. Oh yeah, just keeping in mind that we're talking about Genesis standards, not overall of this time standards. Exactly. Now, the only thing that really disappointed me about this game is I remember finishing it, and it ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh yes, because King Knoll's treasure wasn't uh, it, it was stolen again or something, and he had to go off and actually. Yeah, because at the end of the game, I was like, "Okay, Friday, let's go. We're gonna keep adventuring." And it's like, yeah. "Wait, what? That's that's the end. Where's the rest of it?" Because I mean, never I think produced. That was, well, uh, well, we'll come to actually where it was produced a little later. Because I mean, this was oh. really the first cliffhanger game I think that I'd really played. Like, I don't know about you guys. Uh, definitely. At least one that was as blatant as that. I mean, we all knew that there was going to be another TMNT game, but that was kind of a duh. You mean that the you mean Shredder and Krang escaping to Dimension X didn't throw you for a loop? Not so much. No. Uh, getting a little sidebar there, even though I spent a hundred dollars <laughs> or so on that thing in the arcade. Jeez. Okay, are we ready to talk about the fun of moving in an isometric perspective? I love moving in an isometric perspective. Yay! Like, like it's awesome because you know, I mean, I'm playing like Sacred. Heck, I'm playing Diablo three. That's isometric. Why wouldn't it be fun in Land Stalkers? Well, Phil, uh, how many jumping puzzles are there in Diablo three? Um, let me think. Let me count them all. Uh, zero. Ah, um, now you see that there is a fundamental difference between the gameplay style of Landstalker and that of Diablo 3 in that isometric gameplay and jumping puzzles are not necessarily suited to be paired. But, but, but my jumping works really great in Mario. Yes, and as we all remember, jumping in Super Mario RPG was a little trickier than before Ooh. because Ooh, what about What was that, Sonic CD? Wasn't that isometric? No. You're thinking of Sonic 3D 3D Blast. 3D Blast, yes. yeah. How awesome was that? You were zooming and jumping in isometric. You know, Phil, I convinced myself when I first played that game that I kind of liked it because I liked all the other Genesis Sonic, so I had to like this. <laughs> oh, I did then, too. And I, did too. I will still say that the soundtracks for the Genesis and Saturn versions of 3D Blast are really, really good. And the graphics on the Genesis version, it came out in 96, so it looks really good. Gameplay, though, not so much. Ooh. No. So but, here's sort of a, a sort of an esoteric question for you guys. If this game came out today, would it be considered an action RPG or a dungeon crawler? Ooh. I'm going to say action RPG because it is pretty close to the Zelda stereotypical format. And, well, Nintendo would never call Zelda a dungeon crawler. So if we're going to call it anything that we, that we cover then it has to be an action RPG. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I, I don't think the dungeons are prominent enough to call it a dungeon crawler. And there are a lot of things you do in the dungeons aside from killing things. And aside, aside from the aforementioned isometric platforming, there are... I remember minecart sequence that was pretty fun. There's a quick Indiana Jones ripoff where he's escaping from a boulder. There are some puzzles which are pretty interesting. At least they didn't make me angry, and puzzles <laughs> often make me angry, so that's a good point in the game's favor. So yeah, I definitely classify it as action RPG. Action RPG slash platformer. 
Yeah, the two aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, of course. True. And who knows if the PSP remake that was announced had ever come to be, we might have seen exactly how this was going to happen. Wasn't this like the game that was fated to never be remade? Because it was supposed to be remade for the PSP and it never was. And then there was supposed to be uh, either a remake or a re-release on the virtual console and it never came out. And then it finally came out on Steam. It's on the virtual console. Yeah, oh, Wiki it? says it's on the virtual console. Yeah. No, Wiki is never wrong. Okay. <laughs> I could stand corrected. It could have been one of those things where it was on the list and then pulled off and then put back on the list and then released. That happens a lot. And so not just okay. saying okay. Nintendo has no idea how to handle the virtual console. Really? <laughs> I would never say that. Yeah, that's why it had to be my imagination. Complete fabrication. So let's see here. I remember the final dungeon of Landstalker decided that it needed to have moving platforms, which <sighs> it was a brief section, but it's it scarred me briefly as I streamed at the screen to have those platforms stop moving because jumping in an isometric perspective is difficult enough as it is. Yeah. See, I don't remember anything standing out about that final labyrinth, so... Maybe I'm just better than you. Or maybe it scarred me so badly I've blocked it out of my memory. I'm going to go with the latter. I don't remember that specific instance, but I remember a lot of times where I got stuck on jumping puzzles because of the perspective and wanted to throw the cartridge through the window or something. I remember one screen in particular. You, you had to go there, I think, twice to visit some old lady in a house. And it's three or four levels in height of isometric platforms. And you better be damn sure you know where you're going or else you're falling all the way back down. And you get to jump up those 20 platforms again. Does that, <laughs> does that sound familiar? Uh, yes. Yes, it does. I, uh. I, I admit this. I consulted a fact occasionally just because I didn't feel like poking around behind every platform to see what might be back there. Which is which is kind of fun. I I give the game that, but it wasn't necessarily the way I planned to spend my time. Just going around behind this two hundred block thing and seeing, oh, that's back here. Oh. <laughs> As I press the A button at every square to see what might be hidden. Well, that's kind of a long-time staple of, of many RPGs. Uh, the fact that they instill the absolute need to walk around and press A button on everything. <laughs> and if it, if it doesn't have that quality in it, it's not really a classic RPG. <laughs> Just uh, and the best games of all, the most classic ones, are the ones that if you don't do that, you, you will miss something critical. That will prevent you from going further in the story <laughs> because you didn't check every drawer in town, you know, or something along those lines, or talk to the key uh, townsperson. Those yeah, are and favorite. again, it, it's it borrows some points from the Zelda structure, so you're going to need to do that and find exactly what the key item is that'll get you a little further in the game. That's true. Although you, you never get any tools other than your sword, unfortunately. Hmm. Cool. So, um, but that exception aside, this was a really engrossing game, and it pretty much deserved all the acclaim I saw it get in the game mags at the time. And it's yeah, not like were... there were a whole lot of other options on the Genesis in this style. No, but you know, it, it being 
it wasn't just good because it was the only option. It was legitimately good. Yeah. You know, uh, probably longer than a lot of the Zelda games at the time. You know, uh, large area to explore. Uh, and at times, charming story. I thought uh, Friday could be pretty funny at times. Yeah, I really should play this again now that I've seen His Girl Friday, so I can see if there's any Cary Grant, Rosalind Russell-style banter between them. But that, <laughs> that might be too much to hope for from Sega's translations at the time. Probably. Hmm. Okay, well, it sounds like Mr. Minky liked it pretty well. Yeah, with, with the aforementioned notable exception of I just fell down for the 10th time and I need to see where I'm going, but the Genesis can't display depth properly, so I'm guessing... Ah. Did you play Star Tropics? I did not. I didn't I didn't own my own NES. I just played whatever my stepbrother had, and that was not one of them. Okay. I, I have played Star Tropics. I think having played Star Tropics and having to do all the various jump stuff in that, although it didn't rely quite so much on timing, that... That may have prepared me for Landstalker. Quite possibly. So tell us a little bit about your overall impression of the game, Anna. Um, shaky at best, but I mean, I don't remember getting really angry with it, which probably it would... I mean, it's 50-50 bad. Either I enjoy the game and I just plowed through it, or when stuff got hard, I handed the controller to my brother and he finished it. <laughs> so everybody out there, and I fully recommends that in order to get the best enjoyment out of the game, you two find your own brother, grab him by the earlobe, and force him to play through the crappy parts. Nice. Sounds about right. <laughs> All right. Isn't that what Shirley does for you, Phil? Uh, not anymore, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, cool, cool. All well, right. Spouses don't occupy quite the same niche as sisters and brothers. Any other final thoughts before we move on to the next game in the series? I don't remember the music at all. Should I? <laughs> I remember the overworld theme, and that's about it. There was music in the game? <laughs> I'm going to guess yes. Uh, all the monsters have like the same dying noise, which was pretty funny And you, when you kill like a little jelly, and it lets out the same scream as when you kill an orc, <laughs> or whatever those monsters were. Mm, okay. Well, let us quickly move on over to the next game we have land this i think i got the right game here this is land stalker challenge from the past and did they probably drop that subtitle too huh no no, no. you're it's lady stalker lady challenge. stalker oh lady stalker sorry i haven't even hit the beer yet um lady stalker challenge from the past developed by climax uh, entertainment published by uh, taito uh, this was uh, released on the Super Famicom uh, on September, April the 1st, 1995. There is a note here about a mobile phone remake uh, in 2006. Well, that's also only Japan. Uh, and both of these Ooh. are yeah, Japanese-only uh, releases here, it looks like. This is an action RPG adventure platforming single-player 16-megabit cartridge game. <gasps> 16. 16? 16 megabits. Yeah, wait, we're still at 2 wait. megabytes. What's up with that? Wow. Okay, so it's the same now, size as Landstalker. It's, it's the same size, but but without playing either game, I know that Lady Stalker is the much, much better one. Because, obviously, to make any cool game even better, you need to add ladies, right? Well, Phil, I just knew that title would catch your interest. I, How did I, I ever guess? 
Wow, she's, she's, I'm just looking at the, the cover art here, and she's got long swords, and she's got a big smile on her face, and she's wearing leather That's a tights. Whip. Is that a whip? It looks like a sword to me. She's got a sword in her right hand, but she uses a whip most of the time. Right hand. And in the left hand, it looks like a it looks like a big oh no it is a whip okay but it has a hand it has a really heck of a handle on it yeah that is one hell of a whip so oh boy lady whip me good all right so how good does she whip you mike she whipped me thoroughly but not into oblivion how's that Hmm. sounds interesting tell us more well our main character is named lady and no, she is not a Cocker Spaniel, so no Disney references. I'm sorry. Lady is being kept uh, under house arrest by her servants slash retainers, Yoshio and Cox. And one fine day, she just decides, I'm out of here. She runs away, finds herself on an adventure, and eventually they track her down and join her party. So we've actually got a party in this game. Ooh. And you fight things and get experience. Ooh. And you fight them in an isometric perspective. Okay, th- I'm hearing lots no of jumping. cool things. I'm hearing there's no, no jumping. No jumping. I got experience oh. points. I got a party. Wow, it's already sounding better. I knew that adding women would change everything. <laughs> yes, and lady, that whip has a pretty good range. You can use that nicely. Hmm. And even random battles. We, we really have an RPG here. Um... Okay, I'm, I'm glossing over my old review now to try and refresh my memory of, of all the other details. As an, as an import, it's pretty easy. There's not a whole lot of story, and what there is, you can just go gloss at the fact and go, oh, I need to go here next. And fighting, well, it's action RPG combat. If you can't handle that, then I don't know how you're managing to play anything in the RPG realm. Um... Beyond that, there are some very interesting locations in this game. I recall being shrunk and navigating a gigantic monster's sleeping body while fighting his fleas and getting past the body hair that coats him. That's definitely not something you see in every game. And it doesn't outwear its welcome. It it goes pretty fast. It's shorter than Landstalker, I would definitely say. I'm... I'm just remembering a pleasant but not overwhelming time. Anna, Michael, did you play this to help me out here? Nope. Unfortunately not. Well, I'm assuming it's easily found because Super Famicom app uh, emulation is easy to do. And for all I know, there's a translation out there by now. I think there is. Hmm. I, I would definitely put this among the keepers of Climax's catalog. Was was the... Uh... Was it difficult to get through with the uh, you know, all the Japanese language? I don't remember it being so. There, there are a few points when you might go, all right, where am I supposed to go now? But it's, a, it's the kind of game where you can just wander around and go to the place you haven't been before, and that'll usually do it. And action RPG combat is very intuitive. No reading required there. The visuals are a little better than Landstalker, not much, so... Not much change from Climax there, which is fine because Landstalker did look good, but the Super Famicom could have pulled out something even better. So just a slight disappointment considering what the the console could do. Mm -hmm. And some of the music was catchy, some of it wasn't. I had, if I could open my own iTunes at the moment, I would be able to refresh my memory on which tunes were catchier, but I can't. Hmm. It's not a great game. It's not one of those 
Seiken Densetsu 3s or Final Fantasy 5s, you know, at the time that people just went, why the hell didn't we get this? But <laughs> had it been released over here, it certainly would have found some fans, and I had fun with it. Hmm. Alrighty. Well, uh, after that trip to Japan and back, I need a <laughs> tiny little break. I'm sure you need a tiny little break. So we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Yes, we have returned, and we are ready to talk about Dark Savior. This was developed by Climax Entertainment, published by Sega, released in Japan on August 30th, 1996, and later on here in North America just three months later, on November 30th, 1996. This is a puzzle-platforming RPG fighting adventure single-player game for your Sega Saturn system, and it comes to you on one beautiful, gorgeous, compact disc. See, now we get, now these compact discs can hold 700 megabits, or is it 700 megabytes? I, I think it's up to 700 megabytes, depending on how it's formatted. Wow. That's a lot that's, of freaking bytes. Yeah, that's, that, that's over a thousand times what those carts we were just discussing could hold. And Mr. Apps, would you agree with me that this disc holds some very interesting and worthwhile things? Uh, yes. Interesting is the best descriptor. Well, do you want to go with the, the parallel system, or shall I? Um, I can talk about it. Oh, is this the four-minute game? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute. How can it be a four-minute game? There's, like, I don't know, I, I, a parallel system there, and different parts. There's a key choice uh -huh. very early in the game. Uh, and based on how you handle it, or rather, whether you reach a certain event in time, the game splits off into three different paths that vastly differ. Vastly, vastly, vastly differ. 
Yeah, you really I mean, need to play it, it three it's, times. It's, it's yeah, it's basically yeah. two games inside of one, depending on how fast you are. Pretty much. Yeah. There's even a fourth path that you can take after you've completed the first three, but I don't remember it right now. I just remember the first three. All right, you're playing a guy named Garion, who, when I played this game, I was shocked. He's 28. He's a veteran mercenary. No, Gosh. JRPGs always have 17-year-old veteran mercenaries. But no, of course, now that I'm kind of older, I no longer think of 28 as really as necessarily old, except by the standards of JRPG heroes. And he's on a he's on a ship. He needs to get to the cabin of that ship where a creature named Bylan is about to assault the captain. If he and depending upon the time he takes to get there, he can either get to it, the cabin before Bylan does, as Bylan is there, or after Bylan has had its way with the crew and left some corpses behind. And that will enormously alter the remainder of the, of the game. And each of these scenarios takes five, six hours to play through. Now, they're not very long, but they are different enough that you definitely need to play all of them in order to see how things change. And you can read it as one of those uh, chaos theory things. Although this is a little bigger than a butterfly flapping its wings, but it's the same principle. <laughs> Go for it, Mr. Abs. Yeah, so like you said, depending on how, how much time it takes, um, and then depending on you know if you manage to defeat the monster, uh, the story takes some vastly different turns. Uh like in the one scenario that most people will probably run into, you make it, uh, you you make it after the monsters already killed the captain and escaped, and you basically follow it through a follow carnage to try and recapture the monster. Um, and you know, I think there's one where you basically get there and kill him, and then the story is completely different. And uh, I think it was it's a really interesting system. And I think it, you know, this game's got a weird, like, fighting game combat system in it. And I think there's at least one of the scenarios where you basically run into, like, no combat at all. Yeah, combat is very rare in this game. You fight yes. very little. And when you do fight, it's kind of an isometric perspective fighting game. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very weird. Not necessarily bad, although I don't don't remember any strategy other than hope you get lucky which, <laughs> which might be why there's not a whole lot of combat in the game <laughs> instead exploration will take up far more of your time and puzzles mm -hmm. some devilish puzzles if I remember right okay so track one is get to the captain after the monsters killed him yes track two is get to the captain lose to the monster now that's there are two options when you fight him you can either beat him or lose well and... hang on hang on i'm getting to that okay track two is get to the captain lose to the monster track three is get to the captain win to the monster what's track four get to the captain before the monster gets there lock him out of the cabin ah. and, off. and there's a sort of track five which I do, which I'm looking at Wiki, remembering a bit now. It when you finish parallel uh, the track where you get to the cabin before the monster arrives, then it doesn't end with the fight with the monster as you're chasing it all over the island. Instead, 
you find that there are parallel universes that are causing the island to become unstable. And you need to affirm your existence by tracking down the source of this reality-bending problem. Which I'm guessing is not the creature. I don't think so. That's what I remember. I also remember that you needed to save before you started this because you can't save at all during it. It's not very long, but you cannot save. Yeah. So it can be nasty. And this game, taking advantage of the Saturn hardware, lets you switch between four different viewing angles. Ooh. But they're all isometric. (laughs) 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 That's the power of the Sega Saturn. Four different viewing angles, all of them exactly the same. Uh, and me, you me, you just might curse that. Remember the end of the track where uh, you fight the monster and win, Mr. Apps? Where you're uh, in that gigantic room with tons and tons of platforms and dead space. You know, bottomless pits. Yes. I think I took that thing about 20 times before I finally succeeded. <laughs> because... It, it's no small room. You're going to need a good six minutes or so to navigate all of these platforms. Split-second timing, of course, because some of them are just shooting off once you land on them. And if you don't jump at the right time, bye-bye, bottomless pit for you. Yeah, this sounds exactly <laughs> like the kind of game I should never, ever play. <laughs> now, speaking of the power of the Sega Saturn, uh, Mr. Minky, is it the power of the Saturn that causes the chick's hair on the front of the box to look like some sort of helmet that's hovering a, a good six inches above her head? I mean, she looks like a, a porcupine that's just gone the wrong way. Actually, doesn't that box art look kind of like the Mystaria box art? Uh, yes, it that? does. Yes, it does. I, I don't know. Did, did you play that, Anna? Mm-mm. Okay. I didn't own a Saturn, remember? She's she's got like a three D reverse Sonic the Hedgehog thing going on. It's it's it must be the power of the Saturn. It must be. It must be. It can't be because the Saturn didn't have any power. <laughs> oh, 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 here comes the flood of angry emails. Oh, but I love the Saturn. Wait, let me give. Let me post. Uh, I'm going to post Mr. I'm going to post Mr. App's personal cell phone number on the board. Oh wait, they're down. I'm, <laughs> dang it, foiled again. Ay ay ay. All righty. It's just, Saying, I should I have note this... that that room is only present in one of the tracks, Anna. So you could experience a couple of the others without feeling the fury that I did. <laughs> That's good to know. And that woman is, what's her name, Kay? Am I remembering that right? Oh, God. See, Wiki is failing us. It's not giving us a detailed character sheet. Probably yeah. because Can't help it's, a sa- yeah. it's a Saturn game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 3DO games have more detailed character analyses, I think. I'm not going to go into that. At, at any rate, uh, she plays a significant role in most of the timelines as she sort of loves Gary and I'm not quite sure. And she comes across as a mercenary on her own mission. I, it's been a while. So I'm struggling very hard to remember the details, but she's on the cover for a reason other than her 
truly fascinating hairdo that would require, oh, I don't know, three gallons of hairspray in real life. I, I'm <laughs> telling you, every morning she wakes up, the ozone layer gets a little bit thinner. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's some some chemicals holding that thing up. Yeah, imagine a striped bike helmet made with empty space between the stripes and then make it out of your hair. I, I just know if that's the hairstyles of the future, I'm going to start taking stock and in hairspray right now. If that's the way of the future, I'm shaving my head. I'm telling you, if she headbutts you, you're dead. I mean, it would just slice your head into like eight different, eight eight slices, like you're slicing a watermelon. That's what that hair does. It's fierce. Okay. So now yeah. that we have fully explored the, <laughs> the main protagonist's hair, we <laughs> should probably move on. Oh, darn it, Anna. You and your sensibility. I know, right? Well, does that mean you're ready to dive to toss another console onto the fire and talk about Climax's Dreamcast entry? Dreamcast! Oh Boo, I played, Dreamcast. Yeah. I played the snot out of this game. And the problem... I played this game so much that I even wrote a guide, a monster guide for RB Gamer, and it's like fully screenshotted and everything. So oh we, uh, you know, the problem with uh, with Dark uh, Dark Savior is that it got away from the whole Stalker thing. But we returned back <laughs> with the next game in the series, Time Stalkers, developed by our good friends at Climax Entertainment, published by Sega. This was released in North America on September 30th, 1999, a brief two weeks after its Japanese release. This is a single-player roguelike RPG, rated E for everyone, and 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 it's so cool. That doesn't come on a CD-ROM. It comes on a GD-ROM. Now, this was re-rated as T for Teen. And I remember, I mine is E for everybody. There is a T for Teen that I've seen in stores and stuff. Do you guys know why it was re-rated? No clue. Not offhand. Mm-hmm. I wasn't paying attention to the ESRB at the time. But I will say, GD-ROM is an abbreviation of gigabyte disk read-only memory. So whereas your CD-ROM caps out at about uh, 700 megs, the GD-ROM can push that boundary all the way up to 1.2 gigabytes. <gasps> Blows your mind away. Yeah. yeah, almost double the storage capacity of a typical CD-ROM. So clearly, this is going to be twice as good as any PlayStation game or any of those other systems that use CD-ROMs, right? <laughs> Because it's got gigabytes. Now, this is a game that I like because it's so camp. And I love all of the little subtle references it has in it and stuff. Now, I mean, that isn't to say it isn't a a really cool game. I actually really like the story. Um, Basically, you're playing as a dude named Sword. And uh, you've sort of... weapon is a sword. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly, (laughs) he he is a sword wielder. Whoa, you just blew um, my mind! (laughs) You, you have been tossed unceremoniously into a world which isn't a real world. It's a combination of a bunch of pieces of other worlds. And basically, as you explore each individual dungeon inside of that little piece of another world, you will meet people who are associated with that world, and they can often become party members. Now, and, now we get to do a callback to an earlier show of ours, because Pyra from Shining in the Darkness is here. Um, actually, there are two Shining references in the game because, uh, well, I guess two and a half. Number one, Pyra shows up. She's in Shining of the Darkness. And as you play 
um, with Pyra, um, Hero and Milo appear. They are horribly mistranslated. <laughs> so unless oh, you played Shining in the Darkness and knew what they looked like, you would be like, what's going on here? Why is she so excited? The other cool thing is you can actually pick up a Jogurt ring. And it turns <sighs> you into Jogurt. That is amazing. That. Yes! Why did I never play this game? I don't know. Because you hate the Dreamcast? Oh, right. That. <laughs> I mean, there is a bunch of other things. Um, there is uh, Rao, who... Is, um, is from no other game. He's from no other game. But honestly, even though he's a cat, he reminds me a lot of the werewolves, like Xylo and... Um, oh, shoot. Who's his name from Shining in the Darkness? Shining in the Darkness? Yeah. Or, or are you thinking of Shining the Holy Ark? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Shining the Holy Ark. Doyle? Okay. Yeah! So, yeah, it just, it reminds me of the werewolves from the previous games. Um, N- Nigel also shows up as a playable character. Um, Friday is not playable. Oh. But you can play as Lady. Yeah. Actually, um, Lady from, from Lady Stalker shows up. And then there's actually an optional character named um, Marion. And she's a marionette. And she's uh, an interesting little... <sighs> I had her in my party because basically my party was Sword Lady Marion. I don't know why I did that. I just remember that that was my very specific party. Marion is really immature because she's basically a doll that's just woken up. Um, but I guess she's balanced pretty well by Lady. So I don't know. What party did you use, Mike? I'm thinking here. I, I remember Pyra was in it. I I think Nigel was in it. Um, I'm probably Rao. I'm see it's been a little while and I remember being kind of ticked off that whenever I had to go into the dungeons I couldn't I could only use one character otherwise it was the monsters I'd captured which right so this has a sort of what we now call Pokemon-esque um structure to it where um as you progress through the various dungeons you could capture monsters um you could have up to two with you actively in your party depending on how many humans you had with you and you could store up to eight total and whenever you go into a dungeon you're limited to one main character you have to take monsters to fill up the other two slots and i just thought this was awesome because it had a character named anna in it (laughs) (laughs) well if i ever find a game character named minky i'll maybe love it i don't know um, I the thing that I think I found very kitsch about the story, but also very lovable, is um, basically your actions were being directed by the master, and the master is sort of like uh, the guy who's created this world. So he's able to manipulate time and space, and um, able to pull things into this world. And uh, sword basically snarks at him every time that the master gives him instructions. Yes, I remember Sword being very snarky. And other than that... Yeah, I mean, there isn't a ton to sort of set it apart from what we consider sort of dungeon crawler roguelike games. I mean, you go into a dungeon, you crawl through it, you come out, you buy, sell, craft items. Um, You go back in, you finish off the dungeon, you come back out, you get either a new character or a new dungeon or both. Or you get killed and have to try it again. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't, you know, I don't remember dying that much. I do remember dying. 
Well, yeah, by the I standards of roguelikes, based on the stuff, few, based on the few I've tried, this is not a difficult roguelike. No, no, this is definitely like roguelike light. But I do remember being kind of ticked off that if you've if you've got a monster that you spent a long time developing and it dies and you leave the floor, then you can never get it back. That because if if you leave the floor, then you're uh, restricted to only party members that are still alive and others just get left behind. And yeah, I, I gather that it's common practice in roguelikes to have your level reset to one every time you exit the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Which probably explains why I haven't played many roguelikes. Um, you know, it's funny. Time Stalkers is really what opened me up sort of to this to maybe it reignited my interest in dungeon callers because I remember I basically went from Time Stalkers straight into Chocobo's Mysterious Dungeon. Well, I tried Fatal Labyrinth later, which was a mistake because it's awful. And I tried Izuna the Mysterious Ninja, and I hated it. And I tried. Yeah, I, I, I'm just not patient enough for real roguelikes. <laughs> I mean, I'll play like Pokemon Mysterious Dungeon. But um, or, or is Chocobo's Mysterious Dungeon any better? It's it's a lot like Time Stalkers in that it's very much roguelike light. It's a dungeon crawler, but it's gonna punish you if you're stupid. Um, but it does cut you a fair amount of slack in the first few dungeons. It does, and there's an, and then there's another roguelike tendency: the hunger thing. I'm glad I wrote a review of this because it's refreshed my memory of a lot of things. And the hunger, again, is another apparent roguelike staple where if you don't eat things, which you constantly find through the dungeons, then you will start seeing your life drain away. Of course, that requires... Oh, yes. This I remember. Until you've gained some levels in the dungeon, then you can carry only a few items. You need to gain levels in order to increase your inventory. That just annoyed me. Hmm. Yeah, definitely sounds like it's got those uh, roguelike qualities, food and limited inventory and the such. But you Uh, like that, huh, Anna? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I mean, the the food thing started to become really common even in games that weren't terribly roguelike, like Dark Cloud and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I guess I just got used to it. I guess it just bugged me that I might find great things in the dungeon and then oh, crap, I can only carry three things in there to start with, so throw it all into storage somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I remember doing the storage shuffle. I think even I remember the complaining had... to Mike. I remember complaining to Michael about it, Fire Mist, because uh, he was playing the game at the same time as I was. What did he think of it? I don't think he ever finished it. I finished it. I remember getting... I remember Pyra's ending, where Milo and the hero showed up, but... I can't remember any details of the final boss. I uh, can't really remember any of the bosses, to be honest. I remember plowing around, seeing these interesting fights that kind of, that kind of depend on where you were when you encountered the enemy. Because uh, if you only fight, if you only find one thing in the room, that's all you'll have to fight. But if you find five or six enemies, then they'll all gang up on you for a big slugfest. That at least was interesting, but I. Didn't love the combat, and these roguelike staples apparently just trigger something in me that <laughs> I can't bring myself to praise except in an abstract way. 
Okay, so it sounds like we have one strong for and one strong against. Sounds about right. Alrighty then. <laughs> um, so now that one's a that one's a Dreamcast game. How how expensive do you think that guy is? Pretty cheap. Ten bucks maybe. At it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's take a look at our good friends at uh, eBayandHalf.com and see what we can pick that bad boy up for. It looks like we can get that brand new factory sealed for seventeen dollars. Or uh, used anywhere between seven and twelve bucks. So, like you said, ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, looks like it, you know if you're if, if you're a Dreamcast fan, it wouldn't cost you much to go ahead and check it out and see if Time Stalkers is for you. And I mean, yeah, how, yeah. how can it not be when it has one point <laughs> two gigs? <laughs> well, mostly, I would play it for the climax nostalgia. Of course. Um, of course, knowing my luck, uh, somebody will find out that while it is on a disc that is capable of holding 1.2 gigs, they probably only use like 100 megabytes. <laughs> oh! Whew. All right, well, we're going to take another teeny tiny break, and we'll be right back to talk about some more games that may or may not have the word Stalker in their title. <laughs> Unfortunately, does not have Stalker in the title. It is Kingdom of Paradise, uh, developed by Climax Entertainment, published by Sony Computer Entertainment. Uh, this was released in North America on November 15th, 2005, a single-player action RPG for your Sony PlayStation Portable handheld system. This is rated T for Teen and comes on one beautiful teeny tiny cute Universal Media Disc, which can hold up to 1.8 gigabytes of data. Wow! And Sony knew what it was doing. That's that's a that's half more than GD-ROM. 50% better than GD-ROM, which means it must be 50% better than than uh what was that last game we just talked about? Something something. <laughs> Time Stalker. Time Stalkers. There you are. All right. So, uh, did anybody else play this other than me? <laughs> No, all righty. So, crickets. <laughs> crickets. Chirp, 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 chirp. So, um, Kingdom of Paradise uh, is an action RPG that uh, has a lot of uh, Asian influence. And listening to everything you guys have pretty much said, uh, it doesn't really strike a chord, a direct chord with me. If there is some correlation between uh, the other games uh, made by Climax and this particular one, other than the sheer fact it's an action RPG, uh, I, I'm not I'm not finding it. I don't remember having to do jumps or anything like that. Um, so, well, Time Stalkers was not in isometric perspective. Oh, that's true. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah we forgot to mention it at the time. That was 
a climax game without isometric perspective. Wow. Wow. And the universe didn't implode, huh? Apparently not. Hmm. Well, uh, this one has a, a lot of um, a lot of fighting. Um, as far as it had the action was more like a, a com- the combat system was more like a kind of a, a button button. Well, I won't say button masher. There were combos and stuff you can put together, but it was that type of, of of fighting where you know it is kind of everything's happening in real time and and you're putting together combos and the such and uh, using your items pretty quickly to get through things. Um, it uh, it's let's see it came i remember it came out not too long after the psp came out and that's one of the reasons they caught my eye it was one of the earlier games that had the rpg you know genre attached to it um so mm, trying to think about the story <sighs> i don't remember the story actually <laughs> i'm gonna look at some notes here the game takes place in feudal china uh which is uh which uh, is simulated through the fictitious world of alka uh, which is separated in and of itself into five distinct uh, divisions. Uh, each of those divisions has a clan lord uh, and a particular style of fighting um, uh, so in, and uh, a sacred sword. So each uh, each of the four uh, each of the swords except for the uh, Kirin sacred sword controls one of the four gods of Alka and um, nobody's ever ever tried uh, to find. Um, where these things are are at from what i remember so um it was said that 300 years ago there was a big huge war in which the clan lords of alka prevailed however no one was alive 300 years ago to recount the uh the uh the mysterious events of the war except for lord geiko and the simon twins you lu yan and lu yin wait lord geiko yeah. Is he going to offer me 15% or more on savings on car insurance? Yeah, you know, I think it's actually Gekyo. Yeah, I just, <laughs> it would be cool if it's Geico, though. That would be pretty awesome. Man, think about all the jokes you could have. Uh, anyway, the main character is Shinbu, and uh, he's been exiled from his uh, own clan, the Shiru, after looking at the ancient uh, monument which holds the secrets of the Shiru Chi arts. So that's a naughty thing to do the survival uh, the surviving disciple uh, named uh, Shilin tracks him down to tell him that uh, after he was exiled that his whole clan's been destroyed and that there's only two survivors uh, so they also later discover that their own sacred store has been stolen as well as uh, later on they find out that the other three clan swords have often have also been stolen so you uh, set out on a, a cast a, a cast <laughs> a quest uh you know with your partner Shilin. uh she's a lady from the uh, same clan uh, to go warn the other three clans that the ruling kirin uh, clan is rising to power and plans to steal each of their swords and containing each containing unimaginable power of course to overthrow all and rule the world and all that other fun stuff so uh, same, uh, you know, pretty generic story with the Oriental flavor to it is kind of, uh, kind of nice. Um, the, uh, the gameplay is, uh, based around a system of scrolls. Uh, each, uh, each scroll uses, uh, tiles to make a series of martial arts maneuvers. Um, you get like up to 10 of them. You collect, uh, Bengay and Kimpu as they progress through the game. Uh, Bengay is mostly Bengay. <laughs> Bugay is, I keep calling something everything else. It's mostly found in cinematic sequences, while Kimpu is one from battles and hidden in posh chests and other breakable objects. See, I told you, these RPGs, they're not good unless you're breaking and pressing the A button around stuff. In this case, it's at least fun because you're breaking stuff when you press the A button around them. 
So uh, Shinbu also uses a form of magic arts called the Chi Arts, which allows you to uh, um, to use in battle uh, by holding down the square button and charging up Chi power and pressing again to use it. Uh, you, you get to do really cool moves in magic and such that cause massive amounts of damage. So you can even wipe out enemies in one or two hits. So you gain levels by defeating the enemies upon gaining the levels. Your different attributes will rise, um, typical RPG fashion. Um, but it depends on what's really kind of interesting is it kind of uh, what which attributes go up depend on how you played the battles prior to the level up. So if you do nothing but chi arts, your mine attribute will raise more than the other two. Um, you also collect various accessories that you can equip to also increase your attributes. Uh, you can purchase swords, um, and you can upgrade your main uh, Gidmei sword by taking it to a blacksmith. Um, so there's there is uh, definitely uh, some depth to uh, depth to the game, but uh, unfortunately the you know between the you know somewhat uh, generic story the the battle system. Uh, you know, kind of uh, being okay, but nothing that you're going to write home about. It, it's a nice system, and you can do some different things. You got you can make your own combos by using that uh, scroll and Kimpu form sessions that I, I mentioned before. Um, so you got a lot of different moves you can work with, but it, it, it isn't going to uh, blow your mind. Uh, there isn't there isn't too much payoff for, for experimenting with all these different things. Uh, there, with the with the forms of different chi that you use, there is kind of a rock paper scissors things uh, going on there because the different elements of water, wood, metal, earth, and fire you know each have weaknesses and strengths to each other. Um, so using using the right thing against the right enemy can really help, but because it, it's five things instead of three things, it actually can be a little bit more uh, difficult uh, than itself. Um, uh, blocked. I think one of the things that kind of dragged the game down a little bit is that the, the blocking seemed to be really hard when I was farting around with it. It requires pretty spot-on timing. I don't know if other people had that problem as well. Um, and uh, it doesn't help that it's kind of the same button as the attack command. <laughs> so a lot of the fighting just kind of boils down to um, a bunch of a bunch of options. Um, maybe they spent too much time making all these customizations that uh, that really didn't have any meaning. That you know ended up being uh, being that the, the game was a bit of a pushover. I mean, the story is pretty decent, and you do feel kind of powerful as you uh, get along. It only takes about 15 hours to uh, to get through, but for some people, it's gonna it's gonna come across a little too easy because button mashing gets you through a lot of stuff, and some of those cheat things that you put together can just really wipe out enemies. Um, so uh, it was at the end of the day, it ended up uh, being uh, kind of mediocre. It was just a little too ambitious. Uh, for for its own good with the customizable combat combos, uh, it, it does have nice 3D environments for the PSP. The the the, the graphics uh, for an early generation PSP title, uh, especially, are pretty attractive. Um, and for a more generic uh, RP gamer, uh, I think you'll you'll be uh, you'll have some fun out of it as long as you don't go into it uh, expecting too much. So that is my eight and a half minute monologue on kingdoms of para kingdom of paradise yay for monologues yeah i think i think you did a good job wow i'm done so for the told night me more than i knew it told me more than i knew at the start <laughs> 
like I said, it was an interesting game. I farted around with it. I picked it up for like five bucks or something like that in in a game store. So it's very very easy to find. Uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna bother to look up the price because I'm telling you, you can just you can just go and find it anywhere. And I just picked it up for five bucks. I I'm glad I didn't pay. It was one of the early RPGs that came out for a system. It was tempting just to pick that bad boy up at the full forty bucks. I'm so glad I didn't do that. I, I'm so glad. But if you're into Asian things, uh, you're into the Asian theming, uh, you're looking for a little mutton, mutt, button masher that doesn't demand too much from you, something that you can play, you know, while on a, a tripper, you know, with that that's going to have a lot of bumps and interruptions. Yeah, it, it'll 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 do the trick for cheap. So, okie dokie. I think we have another game to talk about. I think we have one more game to talk about, and yeah, I think it, I hear I hear. That it has, it's a thief that has stolen Mike Minky's heart because he sure loves did. it so, so much. Stole my heart, threw it in the gutter, threw lots of sewer refuse on it, and then let it drift down into the ocean where a shark ate it. When, when Mike Minky had poured hours into Dark Spire with me, one of the most. <laughs> Dark. Iconic titles in either of our histories. Yeah, the game that brought us together because of the sheer torture and inflicted on the both of us. Uh, we we share that traumatic experience together. Steel Princess was a was a was a shining light in his darkness. <laughs> Developed by Climax Entertainment, published in uh, North America by Atlas, so you know it must be good. This is Steel Princess, released in North America on May nineteenth, two thousand and nine. This is a single-player puzzle platformer RPG rated E10 and distributed on one teeny tiny cute Nintendo DS game cartridge. I wonder how many megabits they can hold. Hmm. A million. Uh, let's see. Cards currently... A, a million megabits is a terabit. Ooh, no, a terabit. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Cards currently range from 64 megabytes all the way up to 4 gigs gigabits which is only 512 megabytes so it's it's not quite as big as a umd at all it's actually only like i don't know that's less that's about one third the size of a umd oh that's a shame that means it's smaller than dark savior yeah yeah but but it must be good because it's got thieves right it's got a thief who's a prince i mean the only thing cooler than a thief or a princess is a thieving princess and and it's got really cool box art. I'm looking at the box art. I want to play this game because man, that box art is just awesome. So maybe you'll have to remind me, Jooms, but I don't remember why this is called Steel Princess because Anise is not a princess in and of herself. She's just a thief. I'm looking through every source I have, and I can't. Re- I think a princess pops up near the end. the The idea is to steal her. I guess that's what the title Well, is. doesn't she... No, she has to steal the prince. <sighs> I mean, the whole thing is, is yeah. she gets bopped on the head. She wakes up with this stupid little fairy beside her. And the fairy declares that she's the hero that has to defeat the demon lord and free the prince. Right? You know, I think there was a last-minute plot revelation. <gasps> she's a princess. <gasps> okay, I didn't get that far. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really blame you. <gasps> I stopped at the box art. <laughs> I didn't get that far either. Well, but, well, Phil. But, if but you this is a climax game. Surely it must be fantastic. Yeah, right? I mean, climaxes are awesome. I mean, boy, I try to have 
them. <laughs> I try to find climaxes wherever I can get them. So the, that's the title of our show, Phil. This is the climax. This is the climax. Ooh, nice. That is the title. That's the title. Okay. All right. The title of the show. Okay. Now, if you look at that box art, you will notice that Annis has an eye patch. That means she has no depth perception. And you won't have any depth perception either because isometric jumping, <laughs> it's not just part of what you do. It's all it, it is you do. What you do. <laughs> now, now, Mike. I got my Nintendo DS in front of me right now, right? Okay. Okay. So, so I'm looking at my control, my control pad here, and I'm noticing that it points in four directions, but those four directions don't necessarily seem to correspond with the 45 degree angles oh so common in isometric games. This couldn't possibly be an area of concern, could it, Mike? Well, Phil, let's just go over. The fascinating structure of Steel Princess, because there is so much to dislike about the game that the isometric is only our jumping off point. First of all, first of all, let's go. There are 150 maps in this game. 160. Ooh, that's a lot of content. See, a lot of content is good, right? Well, yes. yes. You must play through all of these, and you must do it exactly the way the designers wanted you to. Because if you diverge from their plan in even a smidgen, then you will render that map unwinnable, and you will have to restart it. I mm. speak from experience. As I, played many, as I played many, many maps over and over, trying to find exactly the right path to victory. This is why it's more akin to a puzzle game. Because unless you solve the puzzle in just the right way, no exploration and experimentation for you. You are not going to get anywhere. Yeah, this game is just like saying creativity, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and yes, let the fun times with isometric view just make it even more fun as you try as you think you're right on the angle to hit that whip and get up to that upper level but oops you weren't you fell down restart there's and i guess it's not too difficult because you don't really get game over you have always have the option to restart that map but after about the 10th time of trying to play through that map and saying I tried this. I don't want to try it again. I just want to turn the game off for a while so that I can go do something more entertaining like, I don't know, clip my toenails. Then uh, you might just say it may not technically be difficult, but I'm tired of trying to figure out exactly what piece of cheese and what path in the maze the developers want me to <laughs> go for. And yes, Annis can carry more weapons than just the whip she has. But you can't keep them. They appear on each map and are required for the specific purpose. And they have specific numbers of uses. So you need to harbor, you need to hold on to those weapons and use them at exactly the right points. Or again, restart. As for that story, well, um, uh, yeah, there is a story. It goes away for long, long stretches until you fight a boss where you learn a little bit, a few lines of dialogue. And you can't replay the bosses, of course, because that might be fun. Since you don't necessarily have to go through exactly the same pattern every time to beat them. 
but nope, they go away. And, okay, let's go with the visuals now. Hey, do you like seeing the same terrain recycled throughout the game? Because ooh, 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 let me answer that. Let me answer that. Um, oh, no! <laughs> what? <laughs> Phil, you don't like seeing the same six basic textures recycled throughout over 150 areas? What's wrong with you? Mm, no, no, I'm pretty sure that would get boring after a while. Gosh, Phil, I, I don't know where you're coming from. There are six areas in this game, and they each look the same for all the areas inside of them. What that, could possibly be boring? That would be like eating like the same flavor of Pop-Tart every day of the week, Mike. That's not yummy. But Costco had that great deal on brown cinnamon Pop-Tarts. So oh I... my gosh, you had to go there. All the childhood memories <laughs> came back. Yes, Mom would see a sale and buy like a case of like cinnamon pop tarts, the worst kind. You know, you were you, if you was going to get a case of something, you'd hope it was the schmores or something. Oh no no no, it was the cinnamon, and it wasn't just any cinnamon. It was the off brand, the the ones that were particularly always more dry, and and the cinnamon just tasted yuckier than the pop tart brand. Oh yeah, even popping those in the pop tart, you know, in the in the toaster oven didn't really help out that much. Because usually, you know, you you have to eat them raw if you're in a rush, but uh, yeah, putting them in the toaster, no. Yeah, just, no. And you had to eat them day after day. There wasn't enough milk in the world to wash that crap down. I was looking for a cow. I'm out back. Do we have a cow? I need more milk. I'm sorry, we, di we digress. Go ahead. I think I uh, just revealed a secret childhood trauma that deserves psychiatric therapy. <laughs> Cinnamon Pop-Tart. <laughs> okay, let's see here. This d Steel Princess is only an RPG if we're being very generous, too, I should mention, because um, she get, Annis gets an extra heart after she beats every boss, and enemy attacks don't get stronger as the game goes on, so you can survive attacks that would have killed you in a couple seconds or later. And the only use for money is to buy parts so that you can make your own Steel Princess map so that you too can experience the thrill that the designers did in developing exactly one way to make it through the stage or else you lose. Or paying off her debts, which uh, has absolutely no purpose except maybe to get a better ending. But you know what? I didn't care. I'm not going to try and play an extra 20 hours of the game when I'm not having fun. Hmm. There, I said it. I wasn't having fun. How do you I don't really know. feel, Mike? It's true. Fine. Maybe I, maybe I need to use slightly more invective to make it clear. Anna, you too experienced this. Please support me. My contribution to this section of the podcast is to say I agree to everything that Mike says. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently the I knew there was a reason we had you on, Anna. The wholesale review or the the reviewers at large agree with y'all as well. Is the uh, Steel Princess got a disappointing sixty percent on uh, yeah. game rankings? I mean. It's a cool idea, it's a cool story, but like a lot of things that Climax does, it's a cool idea on paper that falls apart in execution. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, there's an idea out there that we shouldn't remake good things. We should remake bad things and make them good. This is a prime candidate. Let's take this idea and make it good. Developers out there, you're listening, I know it, everyone listens to us. Figure out a way to turn the concept of Steel Princess into a good game. Somewhere. Somewhere. And then actually make it. 
Okay. Well, now that we've got that off our chest, <laughs> about Pop-Tarts and princesses who steal our time that should be better spent playing other better RPGs, <laughs> we're going to take uh, a moment to let all of you catch your breath, and we'll return with the final lap. Phew! And welcome back. The final lap is the part of the show where we read your comments and questions and answer them, but we can't do that because we have no forums. Uh, so <laughs> we also we also talk about what we're going to do on the next show so you can send us your questions and comments in advance. Well, actually, since I do remember this, and I know Mr. Apps remembers it because it's very important to him, we can yes. say something about it. All right. What can we say about the next show, Mr. Minky? Because I have no clue what it is. Next time, we are going to finish up our Tales of the Saga with Romancing the Saga, Ooh. in which not only Romancing Saga will be discussed, but a game <clears throat> which will apparently require much, much explanation called Unlimited Saga. Ooh. Oh, my. You no, know, I, oh. I just got oh. mysteriously ill for that show. Oh. Oh, I think the uh, purple dinosaur gorilla just entered the room. Whoa, whoa, oh, get out of here, gorilla. Man, so you're you ugly. Know, there are many things one can say about Unlimited Saga. I can say, like, I can say some of them even though I've never played story it. You've, you've ever seen the game in and asked <laughs> to see the disc and then break it in half? Now, 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 let's save it for I the show. I was going to say there is no shortage of things to say about it. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Let's let's say it for the show, boys and girls. Now, we, hey, we... I just I just think actions speak louder than words. There you go. Um, Anna, do you do you commonly fulfill this practice of destroying games that you deem necessary? <laughs> you go to Anna's. You go to Anna's <laughs> yeah, house, I... and there's like this this pile of broken disc and cartridges, <laughs> mementos of bad memories past, <laughs> the, like the box of shame. Oh my goodness gracious! So uh, let's do uh, let's do some um, pimpage and what are you playing and all the other fun stuff <laughs> that we put into the housekeeping section. And let's start with Mr. Apps. He's been a little quiet lately. What have you been playing? Uh, what would you like to pimp, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Uh, well, I'd like to pimp Romancing Saga, which I've been playing again in preparation for the next show, which <laughs> I think is a really fun little PS2 RPG. Oh, jeez. Um, I've played enough Unlimited Saga, so I don't need to replay that. Um, and, um, what else am I playing? I just finished Atelier Rorona, mm, finally. Did you like it? I did, I... Uh, it took me a while to get into it, but eventually I got like seriously addicted to it and couldn't. And it did not leave my PS3 until I beat it. Would you agree with the gushman, the gushing take that our Miss Marcello had on it? Oh, definitely. Uh, I think, um, and having beaten it and now seeing that there's multiple different endings and you know reasons to replay it, which I probably will. It's it's a fun little RPG. And really impressive, considering that it probably had a relatively small budget. Hmm. So I think, yeah, Gust games typically don't get <clears throat> huge budgets. Yeah, I mean, you can tell that uh, it, there wasn't really a lot of uh, graphics budget or anything like that in it. But, you know, the game looks fine, plays fine, and it's really fun. So 
Um, I was genuinely impressed. Cool. Cool. Um, sure, if Miss Marcello and, listens to this, she'll let you know how right you are. <laughs> and I'm also probably going to start playing the Game of Thrones RPG tonight, which probably isn't fantastic, but since I love the book series and TV show, I'll probably find something to like about it. Hmm. The imp is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Alrighty. So, how about you, Miss Anna Marie? Um, I've sort of been loving on my 3DS recently, so... Uh, mm, what have you been playing? I've, I've been playing Double Survivor 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was saying on the podcast yesterday that I'm stuck on a boss, but I think I've got it figured out, so I'm going to what, what tackle it a game. <laughs> I think two, two or three. Okay, I don't remember having serious problems until later. No, it's a, it's just a matter of um, it's the boss that summons the little uh, eyeballs and then f- um, shoots a big old beam. And uh, I just keep walking into the beam inadvertently. Oh, that one, yes. That one was yeah. nasty. I remember that. Yeah. So it's just, I need to stay out of the beam, and, and then I'll be okay. Um, I've also been playing Skylanders for the 3DS. So now that I have an embarrassingly large collection of Skylanders. <laughs> hmm. So I own 32 of the figurines at oh, this point. Oh, dang. How many are there all together? Um, I am missing Blue Bash, who I'm never going to get. Because there was only four thousand of them made, mm. and I'm missing camo, and I'm missing sunburn, who is part of a, a level pack that I just haven't ever seen. So I think there's thirty six out right now, and of course they've already announced Skylanders Giants, which is the next game, which is going to have eight new, a minimum of eight new figurines that are all giant size, but the original Skylander figurines will also function with the game. Hmm. So I actually have that both for the 3DS and the PS3 because mm-hmm. the console version and the handheld version are actually different. Right. But um, I've been gone for a week, so I've been playing more of my handhelds. Is is the 3DS Skylander make good use of the 3D functionality of the 3DS? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Cool. It is absolute. I wouldn't say it's absolutely necessary to have it on at all times, but um, if you don't, you're you're losing out. Um, that being said, I don't keep it at max. I keep it at about a one-third of the 3D. Mm-hmm. I find that's just where I feel the most comfortable and can play for the longest stretches of time. So I'm, um, I think I've got about 40 crystals in the game right now. I'm not sure what the maximum number of crystals is. And, um, yeah, I've been just loving the heck out of it. And I've sort of been addicted to, uh, to iPhone gaming a little bit, um, it was a really good game that I just um, plowed my way through earlier in the year called Where's My Water? Mm, that's a good one. Um, yeah, it's a, a good one. it's a Disney game. Um, you get to play as a little alligator that needs water to fill his bathtub. <laughs> it sounds very stupid, but it's mm-hmm. actually really, really fun. And um, they've put out uh, two huge new chapters for the normal alligator. And uh, they've also put out um, a, a big new section um, of Cranky, mm-hmm. who's sort of the uh, the anti-hero of the game. 
So normally, for example, when you're playing the game regularly, you have three duckies that need to be filled up with water. And those are bonuses for the bonus points when you finish the stage. Um, in most of the cranky challenges, you have to actually poison the duckies in some fashion. Hmm. So you can't touch them with water. You have to hit them with um, slime or goo. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> hmm. it, it's a fun little puzzle game. Um, it, it definitely tests my brain, and I, just, I like it. I really do. And beyond that, there were a couple new courses added to Fairway Solitaire, which is a, a golf card game that I'm not going to get very deeply into. But um, other than that, anxiously waiting the chance to get back into Final Fantasy XIII. Mm. What can I do so for you? Oh, wait, wrong one. <sighs> I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. You hurt me. You won't. <laughs> I'm going to play Tiffany's version of I Think We're Alone Now for that. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, what have you been playing, Phil? Well, it's kind of ironic you should mention those things because I'm kind of on the same page with you. I've been spending some more time with my 3DS and making excellent use of 3D functionality and playing uh, some more Super Mario. Uh, that was really good. I was I was doing some more of that today, just trying to find some more hidden coins and the such. Um, on my iPad, um, I got through Luxor Evolved, and if you're in Luxor, is a real ca you know casual friendly game. Normally, you control a paddle that's on the bottom of the screen that fires off colored balls, and on the vast majority upper part of the screen, there are there is a snake-like row of balls that's eventually heading its way down to your pyramid. But by matching three colors in a row, part of the, that snake disappears, and uh, you can create combos and the such. Luxor Evolved looks a lot different than the other Luxor games because they did it in that whole wireframe. Oh, I'm trying to think of the game that kind of made that kind of famous recently, but like a Pac-Man, you know, CE type of thing. But it's it's very psychedelic. It's bright. It's beautiful. And the gameplay they've tightened that up a little bit because it's fast and it's it's action. There's lots of power-ups, and you will be on the edge of your seat when playing that. So I got through all of that, and right now I'm playing um, Tapper HD, which is a really nice reimagining of Root Beer Tapper. That was an arcade game back in the 80s, and where I say Root Beer Tapper, but it was actually Beer Tapper. That wasn't just an arcade game. I had that on my original Apple. Oh, I'm sure you did. I'm sure they had a few ports, because uh, it, was, it was a really fun little game. You set... Customers come walking down uh, three different bars or so, and you've got the kegs of beer. And you move your bartender up and down, pour the beer, and then throw it down uh, the bar. And sometimes they'll throw the, 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 the glass back, and you need to catch it before it hits the ground and breaks. Um, but if any of the cus angry customers get to the end, they'll be angry. You'll lose a life. Or if you break any glasses, you'll lose a life. And it's it's easy arcade-style gaming. The HD one that they've done on the iPad is really beautiful, animated, and still very, very fun to play. Very hectic. So uh, I've been enjoying that on the iPad as well. Um, and I have been playing a little teeny tiny bit of Diablo 3. I got a couple of hours in before recorded, and then Mike reminded me that as much as I'm enjoying my game, I have real world responsibilities like podcast. <sighs> So, if I don't do it, who will? I'm down, yeah. <laughs> I got it. Although, Phil, would you like to join me? And I'm sure Mr. Apps, assuming Anna hasn't seen it, in saying that the Avengers should be seen by all? Yes, it should. 
My word, yes. Oh man, that was such a good movie. Oh my god. All right, and to see it, we're all. Oh we're, yeah. We've got unanimity. Are you kidding I, I will... me? I I picked up Chris from the airport on Saturday before the cruise, and we literally went straight from the airport to the movie theater to make sure that we could see it before we sailed. I mean, really, the best well done. the best props I can give it is to tell you all this. My my wife is my polar opposite. <laughs> she she's from the east. I'm from the west. I grew up with comics. She grew up with something totally different. I can't even watch the stuff she watches. Um, mostly uh, Japanese looking or Korean looking type of soap operas. But uh, she she's never been interested in my comics. I draw comics. She doesn't even read my comics that I draw. She's my wife. Uh, but uh, she went out and saw the Avengers, and the first thing she said when we walked out of the theater is, Phil, you got to make sure you buy that DVD when it comes out. Because it's just that. I mean, this this movie, it, you know, it, it's easy it's easy enough to say that somebody like me who grew up reading off the comics is just you know throwing fanboys boyism out there when I say yeah I love the movie. But when my wife, who doesn't know Captain America from Captain Planet, you know, says that this is a really really good movie and that she had a blast seeing it, it's got that kind of worldwide appeal. And I. I personally don't know how DC's going to recover. Batman's a great one, but uh, has been good lately. But man, they—they—they're—I they're, they're, think I read somewhere they were talking about doing a Justice League. Good luck, because this will <laughs> be the movie to beat for a very long time. So, and having their yeah, other I'll, franchises feed into it, when you know you saw Nick Fury at the end of a lot of the other movies, and they were—they were kind of—they mentioned the Avengers initiatives and Iron Man and and the such. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought that there's no way this could this could ever pan out very well i mean it's 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 hollywood i mean they screwed up the hulk so bad i can't even see straight but holy cow i mean they managed to ruin the spider-man franchise on the third you know with that third movie uh when it was doing so well Uh, i didn't expect them to be able to take you know a conglomeration of four or five different movies uh you know ips or whatever and put them together you know in, in in a movie format that would actually work so bloody well as good as Iron Man, and, and, and some will argue whether or not Thor, Captain America was good. I enjoyed them, but then again, I like the comics. Um, but but they're ten times better when they're together. It, it was just really done well. See, the deepest comic that I ever got into when I was a kid was Archie. And I, I loved all of the movies. I haven't seen the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like Iron Man and Thor and um, Captain America. And I actually really liked them all. I even watched the American version of captain america <laughs> that old <laughs> captain america one <laughs> no 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 um the the american propaganda is um scaled down a little bit in non-us versions of the uh, really movie. yeah oh. huh. interesting the uh you know i they about a, a a year or two ago, after the Iron Man movies had been doing so well, they uh, they had an Avengers cartoon, and I thought that cartoon was was done pretty well. It's pretty faithful to a lot of the themes you see in the comics, and and I thought for sure that uh, and they you know they had the fights and the interaction between the characters down pretty well, and I thought that uh, there's no way the movies you know going to be able to, to 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 top this, but oh boy was I wrong. That that movie is just wow, just wow. <laughs> I'll just add that most of that credit needs to go to Joss Whedon, who did a great job writing it and directing it, because it says something when pretty much all of the lines that are supposed to be funny actually are funny. Mm-hmm. Most comedies can't even claim that, and he did a great job writing this thing. Dude, the Hulk smash moment 
was completely priceless. <laughs> <laughs> that was the <laughs> You don't understand the burden I have, the destiny I have to fulfill. <laughs> oh, boy. That... By the way, did you guys stay after the credits? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you haven't gone and seen the movie yet, not only do you need to stay after the credits, you need to stay after the credits come back again. You need to stay after that, too. So yeah. uh, make yes. sure you really stay in your seat until the lights uh, come on in the theater and the movie has totally stopped playing. Um, but, uh, no. So definitely, if you haven't gone out and, and seen the uh, Avengers, uh, definitely go out and see it. Maybe one day we'll do a, a podcast with some of the good... Uh, good video games uh, the the few the proud the good the good comic inspired video games that but probably is also more in rpgs anyway uh to get back to somebody stealing my thunder about diablo 3 uh, i think somebody has diablo 3 envy um no it, it's it's pretty cool so far I, i've only played for like two or three hours the initial impression is the it definitely comes across as old school Diablo in terms of its presentation. It's using obviously these days you're using 3D engines on everything, but the camera is stuck in isometric. So uh, and it's stuck at a fixed uh, viewpoint uh, so far from the character. You can't really zoom in and see uh, details. It is pretty detailed graphics, but I found that uh, choice of fixed camera to be kind of interesting in a, a day and age where you can usually at least zoom in and out a little bit um, on like even StarCraft II. Um, the, I, I kind of felt like the, the, the graphics aren't quite up to the level of some of the other later 2D, um, isometric action RPGs I've played, like Sacred, uh, but they're still very attractive in their own dark, murky, gothic-y, uh, way. Um, they've gotten rid of the talent trees, that's very apparent, but you do, uh, get to pick, uh, between different spells and how, or skills and, and how those work, but, uh, you no longer have this complicated, uh, tree to deal with. Very easy to join in on friends' games and jump in and jump out. I think that's what's really appealing about it, it's working with that whole Blizzard, uh, friend ID type of thing, and, and I, I logged in, and next thing you know, um, I had, um, I had, uh, oh gosh, dang, I can't remember his name now. Oh gosh, he's an RP gamer dude too. But I had him jumping in, one of the RP gamer dudes jumping into my game. And he's like, wow, where'd you come from? And he started running with me and helping me out with my quest. So uh, it's really easy to, to join with other people and such. And I don't know if I even have a choice because it's online all the time. <laughs> it's a single player. I don't care if you're playing single player. You must be online and connected like an MMO, which I found to be somewhat of an interesting choice. Uh, but... Um, uh, I'll only allow Blizzard to do that. I won't even buy games from other people who do that. I think it's evil, but it is Diablo. So what can I say? I gotta play it. Um, so I'll have more thoughts about that on the uh, the the next show, and maybe one day we'll have to do like a Diablo special. Of course, I don't know if any. Did y'all play the first two? Anybody play the first two? Extensively. Um, ah. I watched a friend play the first one, and I don't have any experience with the series beyond that. Well, it sounds like Mr. Apps can talk monologue style. Oh, yeah. I played some of both, but I never got through them. But um, And everything's voice acted. There does seem to be a very decent story so far. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, I don't rem- I know the Diablo I played, Diablo 1 or 2, I don't remember which one it was, uh, did have some story, but, you know, it, it was kind of ho-hum. This one seems to capture capture my interest a little bit more, and it doesn't hurt that it's all voice acted. And some of the voice acting, like when you pick up a journal, the journal is voice acted. You know, like you'll pick up a random journal page or something, and you can hear it while you're continuing to move on the adventure, so it doesn't slow you down. Uh, I thought that was a nice, nice uh, 
a nice thing to do. So, oh well, more next time on that. How about you, Mr. Minky? What have you been doing? Game-wise, very little. I've been playing more of <clears throat> Super Robot Tyson Original Generation Saga Endless Frontier Exceed. Ooh. But I was playing that last time. and Oh god, that title. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's not usually spelled out in full. But you know what? I'm going to have to write you a Q&A about this, because you haven't played a Super Robot Tyson game, Mr. Apps, and that needs to change, because you <laughs> like tactical games, don't you? I love tactical games. Well, there are a couple of really nice options on GBA that I know Anna has the option to play. Isn't that right, Anna? Ooh, yes. How's your Super Robot Tyson experience going, or is it just stalled? Uh, uh, look at the shiny over there! Wow, <laughs> <laughs> ah, that really is shiny. Ooh. So aside from XC, which I still enjoy, but I'm making slow progress because I'm mostly interacting with my relatives lately, uh, access to Turner Classic Movies again has let me watch a few things that I couldn't watch any other way, like Torrent, which none of you have ever seen, I'm pretty certain, because it's a silent movie from 1926 that has never been released on any kind of video, and was Greta Garbo's first movie in the United States, and honestly, I can sort of see why she became kind of a sensation based on this. I, I've only seen one other Greta Garbo movie before, and she works very well in silent movies. Other than that, I suppose I could talk about The Raven, which I just saw last night, and, and John Cusack plays Edgar Allan Poe trying to track down a murderer who's using Poe's writings as inspiration. But it's a serviceable thriller based on that guideline, and the ending involves the killer revealing himself as one of those guys who has to say, you know, we're really not so different, you and I, and I'm your biggest fan. And you've heard those, you've heard variations of those lines before, and they're not really delivered all that well here. But if you want to see John Cusack have some fun, yeah, he gets to do that a little bit. I've always liked John Cusack. Um, and I guess I'll give a big thumbs down to The Sandpiper, which is one of the many movies Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton made, in which, boy, does it feel 60s. You get to watch Charles Bronson as a hippie sculptor and yeah i'll i'll just leave it off there because i need to clear off the computer soon it's not my computer this time <laughs> okay well i think that's just about gonna wrap it up um you know, normally I have that whole speech at the end, except I always read it right off the cue card that's on this forum post. But maybe after saying it like 72 times now, you think I'd have it memorized. But something about RP Gamer produces RPG Backtrack, and we love the fact that you listen. Go leave us comments on iTunes and, and join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash rpgamer and twitter.com slash rpgamer and, and, and give us lots of thumbs up and lots of five stars so my head gets so big that I can't make it outside the house in the morning. And um, and we have forums. and They're not working right now, but when they're up, they're awesome. You should leave lots of comments about the show <laughs> so we can read your comments when the forums are working right here on the show. And um, 
and the such and and something blah 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 thank you mike anna and that other guy who was on the show today you're awesome <laughs> and i love you very much because you make this happen i think all of you people who listen don't tell me what your names are because i'll never remember any of them but i do thank you for listening and mr mike why don't you go ahead and put us to bed before i embarrass myself any further I'll just say that of the six games we talked about, most of them have something to recommend them, and I need to go. So, good night. I think that's how they usually do it is they'll say 32 and 33.